0: Good evening and welcome back to another edition of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I'm your host Archie Mitchell and tonight we are back and ladies and gentlemen it is a jam packed show. That is right there are a lot of newsworthy quick hits that are going to come up. Quite a few of those highlight reels from Raw and Smackdown and a lot going on on NXT and Dynamite. I will also be introducing a new probably bi-weekly segment known as the Palette Cleanser. Uh, after dealing with some of the grinds my gears that I have to deal with, I want to look on the softer side of things going on in the world of professional wrestling and things that will make me laugh. So, hence why we were adding the Palette Cleanser in order to laugh and finally enjoy ourselves before we end the show. Because I don't like to end this show when I'm in an angry tirade because it's not fun for me, it's not fun for you. So, I thought, why not, right? It's my show. I can do whatever the hell I want. With that being said, let's not waste any more time. And let's go ahead and get into some quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And tonight we start off with our first big newsworthy quick hit. Goldberg reveals that his WWE deal is done. That's right. He has finally met all of his match requirements. The a lot of time, the a lot of time that he was given for this deal is also over. And I have to say, thank God. I was not the hugest Bill Goldberg fan when he first debuted in WCW. And I thought that he was actually a decent talent. And his streak was pretty cool. But they really oversaturated things with him after he won the world heavyweight title from Hulk Hogan and then lost it to Nash, and then they just didn't know what to do with him anymore. But, in any indication, since he came back to the WWE, he has been put in pointless matches, he has been given title reigns, and it always comes down to, I'm doing this for my son so he could see me in the ring. Bill, your son didn't need to see you in the ring, neither did either one of us that are watching the WWE product, The the millions of fans at home, the thousands in the arena. Those were piped in chants. No one cared to see you, buddy. I'm happy your deal is done, and I kind of hope that you just walk away into the sunset and enjoy your glory days, because I'm really, really hoping that with your WWE deal being done, you're not coming back. Number two, WWE now worried that Randy Orton's injury could be more serious than originally thought. Randy went out with an elbow injury and back injury some months ago. And there have been actually no updates in regards to him. There hasn't been like a pre-recorded segment or a training montage. Randy Orton's been gone from WWE TV. And with him getting up there in age, WWE is worried that this injury could have actually taken him out for either good or turned him into a part-timer. Randy was really the last of the uh old brigade when it pertained to that 2002 new crop of talent such as cena batista lesnar and orton himself uh and for him to now be here 20 years later and still going on a full schedule was great i mean randy is having some of the was having some of the best matches in his career the last couple of years but unfortunately the injury did catch up with him and now It does seem as if the WWE is wondering if he will ever be back. I hope that he has a quick and easy healing rehab and he does show back up in WWE, even if it's just for a part-time schedule. Because, let's face it, he's still good in some aspects, so he might as well be used. But if he cannot, then I do hope that Randy has the best possible retirement and can enjoy himself. Moving forward, number three, Sean Spears has apparently been let go from AEW quietly after posting a goodbye gif on social media. Sean has not been used by AEW in quite some time, actually, since the whole Chris Jericho and Inner Circle MJF thing finally ended. Sean was kind of just left in the lurch. Uh, he didn't have much to do or anything really going on. Tully Blanchard leaving AEW also left him without a manager. And it was just, you know, curtains for him. Um, So, Sean may be gone from AEW. I have to say that the early part of his career uh, in AEW was great. And I also enjoyed the uh, 10 uh, gimmick that he was doing in the WWE when he was there in NXT. But it just seems to be that Sean can never be either pushed or be taken absolutely seriously. He's just used as a good hand and then kind of just pawned off and... Took him off of TV as much as they possibly can. If he is gone, though, I hope that he bounces back and ends up somewhere like an Impact Wrestling or even overseas in Japan. And I hope that we do get to see Sean get a push in a major company somewhere down the line uh, because he does deserve it. He's he's a great wrestler and a great guy as well. Number four, Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Ililo have a Twitter war. These two went back and forth because apparently Sammy criticized Andrade for being too uh, stiff in the ring and hitting him too hard. When Andrade approached him about it, according to Twitter, uh, Sammy said they had no problem and, you know, didn't really do anything. But then during a recent interview, Sammy said that Andrade is an unsafe worker and, you know, really threw uh, him under the bus. When Andrade talked about this on Twitter, Sammy said that Andrade is a liar and is only hired because of who his father-in-law is and uh, it's being done as a favor and that he should leave AEW and go back to being a WWE bitch. Uh, Andrade fired back and said that he would see Sammy on AEW Dynamite this week. But in an update uh, at Wednesday's Dynamite taping, things got physical and both men came to blows. Only Andrade was sent home, though. Uh, Early reports said that Andrade and Sammy were sent home, but it later turned out Sammy ended up on the live broadcast and in the main event. We'll talk about that later. And uh, yeah, apparently, AEW let Andrade know that this altercation will not lead to him being suspended or fired, um, which I'll be honest with you, Andrade would be better off going back to the WWE. He'd be used better, in my opinion. But um, it seems Sammy Guevara, once again, is a part of some drama. And it also seems that AEW cannot keep themselves out of the toilet when it comes to backstage issues. Kind of worried about this company, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Number five, WWE and 2K Sports lose a court battle with Randy Orton's tattoo artist. Apparently, this young lady for over the last year and a half has been trying to sue the WWE and 2K Sports for the tattoos that she put on Randy Orton being used in WWE video games. She said that she has them copyrighted. She said that Randy Orton should have gotten her consent and given her a payday. Uh, and also, you know, done all he could to provide her with some kind of compensation. Well, she took the WWE and 2K Sports to uh, court, and they lost, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, WWE lost a court battle, and apparently tattoos can now be copyrighted um i have to personally say i find this to be one of the stupidest things i've ever heard if you're paying a tattoo artist x amount of dollars anywhere from a hundred to ten thousand dollars to tattoo your body they are getting their compensation for it and if they for some reason have you sign a contract Obviously, if you get hurt or injured while they're tattooing you or whatnot, bleeding out, whatever, and they have somehow slipped in that these are copyrighted images, shame on you for not reading that piece of paper thoroughly. Uh, But honestly, I don't think this is Randy Orton's fault. I don't think it's WWE or 2K's fault. I think that what it ultimately comes down to is this young woman was a bit money hungry. Somebody told her, oh, I saw your tattoos in a video game. You should be getting money for that. And all hell broke loose. I mean, this was not the Pepsi logo or the... Uh, cobra image from uh, G.I. Joe on CM Punk. This was not a Superman symbol like Braun Strowman has. This, These are the tribal tattoos and chess pieces that Randy Orton has been wearing for years, so it's a little ridiculous that she would now look to sue. Number six, Rob Fee, a former horror writer at Marvel and Disney, now the new director of long-term creative in WWE. I do not know Rob Fee's work, But I will say that I've heard nothing but good things about him when reading things about him online since hearing about this news breaking on Monday. And I think that he is going to have a very positive outcome on WWE storylines. Apparently, he is the person behind the QR code for the White Rabbit storyline. So, Rob, you're doing a fantastic job already, buddy. Uh, and he is uh, looking to push forward with more long-term storytelling and uh, booking, getting things done the right way. I have no problem with that. I doubt anybody in the WWE fans and universe would have a problem with it at all either because we have all complained in the past that some storylines take um, you know the quick road to be ended and never be talked about again. If Rob can get the job done, more power to him. I'm definitely on board for it. Number seven, WWE does a commentary shakeup on all three major shows. Apparently, Kevin Patrick and um, Corey Graves will now be doing WWE Raw commentary. Michael Cole and Wade Barrett will be doing SmackDown. And Vic Joseph and Booker T will be doing NXT. I am very excited to hear Wade Barrett on SmackDown. And I think that anybody with Corey Graves will do a great job on Monday night. Uh, What I'm not too happy about is Booker T joining the nxt commentary team and i kind of hope that they only have him for a short period of time and then add somebody else with vic joseph but i will say this uh nigel McGuinness has been let go by the wwe so we will not see him in nxt um and it, the shakeup seems like it was it was needed we needed some fresh voices on monday uh tuesday and friday so I'm very happy to hear this. It looks like Triple H is really cleaning house and getting things done uh, as the new, um, you know, CEO of WWE. Go, Triple H, go. And finally, number eight, a very somber story. Uh, Former Tough Enough winner, Sarah Lee, passes away at the age of 30. And this happened yesterday on Thursday. Um, She leaves behind. Her husband, Wesley Blake, formerly a WWE superstar, and two children. I didn't never really saw Sarah wrestle in the ring after she won WWE tough enough, but I thought she was great on the show. And when they finally gave her her opportunity to win, uh, having beaten out uh, other women um, such as Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose. Um, you know, she deserved it. I just think WWE did not know what to do with her. Hearing that she passed and complications from a sinus uh, infection, as well as other ailments that were uh, going on, I send my condolences out to her family uh, and I wish them the absolute best in their grieving process. Very, very uh, disheartening to hear someone that age passing away and not something that you want to hear in the world of professional wrestling. So with that being said, we will now move on and let's get into our next segment, which is the highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen. And just a reminder, you can catch this and all of our shows on WrestleNet Radio right here on Spotify, as well as uh, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. If you want to check us out on Facebook, go right ahead. You will be able to hear and see everything going on here on the WrestleNet Radio And going into our first highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen. Coming from Monday Night Raw, we've got the Judgment Day taking on AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio. This was a really good tag team match. It went about 22 minutes and all four men involved, Damian Priest and um, Finn Balor, as well as AJ Styles and Rey Mysterio, did a fantastic job in the ring. And I loved the storyline after the match. AJ Styles being very upset with Rey Mysterio. Refusing to shake Ray's hand and yelling at him. Uh, it almost looks like everyone who's coming into contact with Ray Mysterio during this Judgment Day feud has got a problem with him. Uh, really makes you wonder if AJ may join the Judgment Day down the line. Although, with all of his problems that he's had with them in recent uh, history, it makes you really wonder if it will happen or not. Although he does have a friendship with Finn Balor. I will talk about the Judgment Day more a little later on as well. Number two for Monday Night Raw, we got Bobby Lashley defending the United States title against Mustafa Ali. It was great to see Ali get a shot at the title and get a prominent matchup on Monday Night Raw. He actually gave Bobby Lashley a run for his money. Lashley was thrown for a loop at how hard this young man fought and what he was able to do in the ring and that he was not able to put Ali away rather quickly. Uh, It sucked that Seth Rollins got involved afterwards, but I will say this. It didn't suck in the aspect that it was, again, long-term storytelling. Uh, Lashley beating Rollins a couple of weeks ago with the distraction from Riddle. And now Rollins still trying to show Bobby Lashley that, hey, I'm still here. I still want a shot at your title after I'm done with Riddle. It was great to see. And number three. Rollins and Riddle's segment on Monday Night Raw. These two could not touch each other, but they were definitely getting in one another's face. The way that they went personal with one another and the way that they've been telling the storyline has been fantastic. Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins have been a shining point of Monday Night Raw over the last month. Uh, So it's been very, very enjoyable. Over on SmackDown, their number one highlight reel spot goes to the crowd reaction to Logan Paul along with Paul Heyman explaining what Logan Paul is. And what I mean by that is Paul Heyman said that Logan Paul is like a modern-day Cindy Lauper and Mr. T in that they're using a celebrity or a pseudo-celebrity to get them millions of more eyes on the product. And all that's really going to lead to is this Kardashian wannabe and Logan Paul uh, helping to bring other people to uh, acknowledge Roman Reigns. I like it. And then Sami Zayn grabbed the mic and helped to be peacemaker between Roman and Jimmy Uso, or Jay Uso, excuse me, and then called Logan Paul a giant number two. <laughs> Roman actually broke character and began laughing during this. This is why I'm laughing. And I just thought it was an all around great segment. Number two, Solo Sokoa taking on Ricochet. Fantastic 10 minute match. And that reversal to the shooting star press wow solo is the real deal here and i have to say i've been been enjoying him since his debut in nxt and i think he's going to do great on the main roster number three the return of zelina vega and the debuts of legato del fantasma to the main roster great to see them i don't know where electra lopez actually is i don't know if she's been let go or if they just left her down in nxt But I'm happy to see Zelina back with a new blonde look. And I'm definitely happy to see uh, Escobar and his boys over on SmackDown. Number four, Max Dupree changes his name back to L.A. Knight. Very, very glad to see that he dumped the Maximum Male Models BS that was going on there. He's back to his L.A. Knight gimmick. And he will actually take on Mansoor, uh, or whatever you want to call him, however, he's a model, next week on SmackDown. So it's going to be great to see LA Knight on the main roster as well. I like what Triple H is doing. You can say he has his favorites NXT and he's finally calling them up to the main roster or giving them their names back or giving them a, a better shot. But in all truth and honesty, all Triple H is doing is bringing the absolute best talent to the main roster to work with what he already has and give us the absolute best product. And number five, Walter, because I will not call him anything else, defending the Intercontinental title against Sheamus. These two men have brought in prestige back to the Intercontinental Championship in just two matches that went both 30 minutes long. They are beating the hell out of each other in every match that they've had with one another, and they continue to do so in one hell of an atmosphere. The fans are behind both of them. They are cheering, and these men are just teeing off on one another. It is so great to see. SmackDown, in my opinion, was the better show this week. But both Raw and SmackDown are rolling and doing a fantastic job of doing so over the course of the last, I want to say, three or four weeks. So continue going on your way, Triple H. You are doing a fantastic job. Now we move into our show review. We're going to go ahead and let you know what happened over on NXT. Don't forget to check out Reliving the Extreme and the year that was right here on WrestleMet Radio. Let Aaron, uh, Chad, and Nate know exactly what you think of the show and what you want to see coming up in future episodes. Over on NXT, the show kicks off with Wade Barrett welcoming us to the show and introducing us to Byron Saxton and Sudu Sola. They are replacing Vic Joseph, who is off on his honeymoon uh, this weekend. Uh, congratulations to Vic and Mackenzie as they got married this past week. And then Pretty Deadly makes their way to the ring, and they're dressed like English judges. Wilson and Prince ramble on and on about how they are uh, they are looking, and uh, they want to find new... Number one contenders. Uh, They're the best looking and the best tag team. They've beaten everybody. After about five minutes of continuing this terrible segment, Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland, the Brawling Brutes, make their return to NXT and save us. Yes. Uh, They want uh, the NXT tag team titles to prove their dominance because it's Tuesday night and it's fight night. Dunne and Holland beat down pretty deadly and Carmelo Hayes interrupts the ending of the segment and he is ready for his opening match. Backstage Toxic Attraction are shown arriving earlier today, and Halba Fire attacks them from out of nowhere. She then hops in the back seat of their car, and the car takes off with Mandy Rose and her still inside. I like where this is going. And we go to our opening matchup. It's Mensa taking on Hayes. Good back and forth between these two with Mensa showing off quite a bit. Nice springboard moonsault by the newcomer, but Carmelo wasn't going down that easy. Uh, Williams uh, caused a distraction. Hayes hit a code breaker and followed it up with his finisher from the top rope. Hayes gets the win in six minutes. Just need a little more time, but still very good. Post-match, Carmelo s- says the losing streak is over, and he's ready for the North American ladder, title ladder match. Uh, Andre Chase makes his way to the ring for his qualifying match for that ladder match against Von Wagner, and Hayes looks on from commentary. Highlights from Damon Kemp and Brutus Creed from last week are shown. Brutus gets checked on backstage by the doctors, and Duke Hudson walks in to poke fun. Julius Creed challenges Hudson, and the match is made for later tonight. Give these guys 10 minutes and just let them go at it, please, for the love of God. Uh, Von Wagner now takes on Andre Chase. Andre got in a little offense, but to no effect on Wagner. We saw Von power out of everything and then just throw Chase around the ring. Wagner hit his finisher and got the win over Andre Chase in four minutes. Wagner is now in the North American title ladder match at Halloween Havoc. I don't expect him to win it because most big men don't win ladder matches of that nature. They're there to pretty much just take bumps, but it should add to the matchup indeed. Post-match, Wesley attacks Carmelo Hayes at ringside, and uh, the levels of anger going into the ladder match are growing larger and larger, ladies and gentlemen. Backstage, Sangha wishes uh, wishes Frazier luck in his match with Axiom and hopes he wins the North American title if he does qualify for it uh, when they have their matchup next week. As Frazier walks out, in walks the returning Veer Mahan in a suit. And are we about to see a reunion with Sangha and his former partner? Lash Legend says nothing important about her match with Wendy Chu tonight. Outside, we see a red-hooded figure. uh, And they are handing out smiley face buttons. Grace Waller arrives and is annoying as fuck as usual. Chu then takes on Lash Legend. Terrible as usual from Legend, but Chu made up for it. They went around and around with punches and kicks that didn't land. Chu hit her moonsault and got the win in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Shortened to the point, which is how bad these, these matches should be You know, produced from now on. If you're going to have a bad match, you should not get time in that ring. The new girl is interviewing Wes Lee. He explains why he attacked Carmelo Hayes. Obviously, it was payback for a couple of weeks ago. And then Stax interrupts and threatens Lee because he injured Tony D last week. We head to a vignette about what Gallus did last week and the rough and tumbled threesome promised to come back even stronger after their suspension is lifted. A quick replay of Carter and Chance winning the NXT women's tag team titles is shown. We then shoot to a video of both women talking about how they made it to NXT. I realize I'm hard on them. And I always say that they're like team botch and one of the worst teams, you know, that NXT has produced. But with the amount of time they've spent in WWE, I just expect them to have been improved. And quite frankly, they haven't. So that's my stance on it. Toxic Attraction then takes on Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks. This was better than I expected, but that's mainly because of Gigi, JC and Starks. Toxic controlled most of the match and kept Nikita down. Tagged to Zoe. She made the comeback, but it was still battling from the bottom. It looked like uh, Dolan had the match won, but Starks hit a wicked-looking finisher. Tagged in Nikita. Zoe hit uh, a splash to JC on the floor lions hit a split a splash on dolan and got the win in 13 minutes keep zoe in the match as long as possible because it worked out this time nikita lions not need to be out there and hurting anybody like she has in the past a, v- a vignette for ilio dragunov explains his climb to the top of nxt uk and his injury he puts uh breaker and McDow on notice for their triple threat match at halloween havoc we then see Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade making their way to the ring for the Grayson-Waller effect. Waller welcomes us to his show, and the D-list Miz promoted his social media as usual. The ticker at the bottom with obvious BS fan comments is comical, and Grayson welcomes Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez to the show. Perez says Jade got jealous, and now she has to, be, uh, has to beat Cora in order to move on in her path in NXT. Cora tells Roxanne, She just isn't ready for the generation of Jade. Waller informs him that they'll be playing a pick your poison in two weeks uh, to pick each other's opponents from anybody on the WWE roster. And then he tells them that their match will be a spin the wheel, make the deal match at Halloween Havoc. I'm down for this. I love when they do spin the wheel to make the deal. Grayson spins the wheel while a druid looks on, and it's a weapons wild match, so I'm assuming that means it's hardcore. A brawl breaks out between Perez and Jade. Apollo Crews attacks Waller. And the segment comes to an end. I don't know what I just watched, but I kind of liked it. Diamond Mine is shown training backstage and getting ready for Julius Creed's match. The Schism and Joe Gacy are talking to the red-hooded figure. And Gacy tells him to do better and not disappoint them. Creed then took on Hudson. Julius came out swinging and beat down Duke Hudson. We saw a belly-to-belly suplex and then a huge finisher. Creed got the win in 90 seconds. And damn, what a way to put Julius Creed over. You know what? He's a monster. Let him be one. Post-match, Brutus Creed comes running down and beats down Duke Hudson even more. Damon Kemp shows up on stage, lays out a challenge to Julius. Kemp wants a match at Halloween Havoc and says if he loses, he'll give Brutus Creed another match. But when he wins, Brutus must leave NXT. Julius agrees, but wants it to be an ambulance match at Havoc. And we've got a banger coming up. These two are national, you know, amazingly trained athletes in the sport of wrestling and it being a hardcore matchup like an ambulance match i love it let's go a vignette for jd mcdonald shows that jd is studying opponents and getting ready for halloween havoc he knows what they are capable of but he's going to let them destroy each other and then swoop in for the win it's not the strongest or the craziest man who takes to win but the smartest i like that jd Hank Walker is being hyped up by the rest of security and getting ready for his first contracted matchup in NXT. Quincy Elliott shows up and gives Hank some advice and then danced for the security. Uh, Yeah, that just happened. Walker takes on Zion Quinn. This wasn't a five-star classic by any means, but both men definitely got in a good fight. Quinn got the win with his flying forearm in two minutes and 30 seconds. Can't believe they actually didn't put Hank over. Post-match, Quinn looks to continuous beatdown on Walker, but Mabel Dust Quincy hits the ring, and Zion Quinn walks off. Quincy then smacks Hank on the ass, and yeah, that just happened. Cameron Grimes is talking to the red-hooded figure and trying to get this person to stop listening to Joe Gacy. The schism attack and beatdown Grimes. Gacy welcomes the red-hooded figure to the schism, and I'm curious as to who this is. They look like they have a womanly figure. So could Joe Gacy be welcoming a female into the group, or is it a smaller uh, cruiserweight-style wrestler? Not really sure. Dol- uh, Pete Dunn, Ridge Holland, Briggs, Jensen, Enfren, and Blade are all discussing who should get the next shot at the NXT Tag Team titles once Ridge and Pete get the win tonight. A brawl almost breaks out, but the brawling brutes let the others know that if they want a shot, they need to be more intense and more serious. The new girl is with Braun Breaker, and he says it doesn't matter how much they train or watch tape, because at Halloween Havoc, it is going to be a brawl. Just then, Javi the Prick Burnell arrives. He criticizes Braun and says no one is ready for big body Hobby. Breaker lets him know that he's requesting a match with him next week. No, no, please no. This guy does not deserve a match with Braun Breaker. And now it's time for our main event. Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland taking on Pretty Deadly. A very good tag team match uh, main event here, with mostly the Brawling Brutes being in control. Holland and Dunne threw Prince and Wilson all around the ring and just destroyed the tag team champions. It looked like the Brutes had the match won, but Imperium showed up to continue the feud from SmackDown. The distraction allowed Pretty Deadly to hit their finisher and get the win in 13 minutes. Very enjoyable matchup to end the show. Post-match, Imperium and the Brutes fought all around ringside. Infram and Blade made their way out to the stage and were followed by Briggs and Jensen. And are we in for another triple threat match for the tag team titles? I'd say so. Giving this week's NXT a four out of five. It was miles better than last week's show. The matches were more entertaining and we're gearing up for Halloween Havoc and it showed. So, another good episode of NXT finally after what we had to endure last week. And uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and find out what happened over on Dynamite this week. And a reminder as well, make sure that you check out A Slice of Time and Mark Cindy Spotlight right here on WrestleNet Radio. And going into Dynamite, Excalibur welcomes us to the show and we go to the ring for our opening bout. It's MJF taking on Wheeler Yuta. Perhaps the best opening match on Dynamite in quite a while, and it was because these two young, talented superstars. Yuta showed off his rough and tough side and fought back everything MJF threw at him. However, MJF wrestled a damn near perfect match and proved Wheeler needs a little more time. Yuta locked in his submission, but MJF got out of it locked in one of his own. MJF got the win in 15 minutes to a crowd pleaser. The crowd was on their feet for both men in this matchup. Post-match, Uta offered a handshake, and MJF kind of looked like he was a little distraught about taking it. Uh, Lee Moriarty jumped Uta afterwards, and MJF looked upset and yelled at Lee. But Stokely Hathaway handed him the dynamite diamond ring. William Regal then headed to the ring and went face-to-face with MJF. Max backed off, and it was surreal seeing these two almost come to a, you know, blows and square off against one another. Highlights of Danielson, Garcia, Jericho, and Guevara were shown, giving us all a look at tonight's main event between all four. We go to the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, who is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Each give their thoughts on Garcia leaving the JSA, and I'm left wondering how Guevara is still here. Uh, We then go to Jay Lethal taking on Darby Allen, another excellent match, and I'm beginning to think that AEW heard me last week when I said the matches looked like crap. Allen went balls to the wall and threw everything that Lethal threw at him and stayed calm, but Lethal used his scientific skills to keep Allen grounded as much as he could. Lethal went for his finisher, but Darby was ready for it and countered. Allen, with a roll-up, got the win in 11 minutes. Great big win for Darby Allen. Great outing for both. Post-match, Allen offered a handshake to Lethal, and after thinking about it and looking at Satam and Dud, finally shakes Darby's hand. A promo backstage from Brian Cage and the Embassy is shown, with Cage saying this is not his comeback, but his arrival in AEW. Prince Nana says after the matchup, they'll all be in the money. (laughs) Wardlow then took on Brian Cage A battle of the big men here And it did not disappoint Cage fought hard and hit Wardlow With his big his clothesline But it was only for a two Wardlow tried to fight back But Cage wouldn't let him up And kept pushing A Honekon Rana by uh, Wardlow And a head scissors by Cage Was incredible to be seen One powerbomb later And Wardlow got the win in ten minutes A good old-fashioned fight And done well by AEW Post-match, the embassy attacked Wardlow, but Samoa Joe tried to make the save. When the numbers caught up to Joe, FTR came running down and cleared the ring. Good to see them back in AEW after what we heard going on between them and Tony Khan over the last couple of weeks. Britt Baker cuts a promo and tells us that Soraya is not medically cleared and will not be wrestling in AEW, and that is it's really Britt Baker's house. We then go to our six-man tag, and it's Penelope Ford, Serena Deeb, and Jamie Hayter taking on Tony Storm, Athena, and Willow Nightingale. A pretty good matchup by all six of the women uh, in this tag team matchup. Looked great. Athena and Storm actually wrestled smoothly. Ford looked incredibly improved. Deeb and Hayter were fantastic as usual, and Willow Nightingale looks like she deserves a push. Nightingale got the win on Ford in 10 minutes, and I'm pretty happy with this one. No complaints, actually. Post-match, Britt gets into Soraya's face. They come to blows. All eight women have a brawl, and Soraya sends Baker out of the ring. Rebel begs the former page not to hit her, but she gets a super kick for her troubles. I can only assume that this was to prove that Soraya is medically cleared and can actually wrestle. The reports are saying that she has been cleared for the last few weeks, so we'll have to wait and see. But I do hope that she is kept safe and not injured by anybody on the roster. Rush then cuts a promo on hangman Adam Page, but no Andrade. Was only El Idiolo sent home? I I guess so. I talked about it earlier. I mean, this is ridiculous. Rush says he will beat Page and uh, orders Private Party to do the right thing later on tonight. And then it's scissor time, ladies and gentlemen. The acclaimed and pop-ass come out to celebrate National Scissor Day and talk to the live crowd, who absolutely love these guys. Bowen rolls off a great a great list of accomplishment and says that AEW now stands for the acclaimed every Wednesday. Oh my God! And we finally got an explanation of what scissor means. This is gold. <laughs> Billy Gunn does a little bit of his Ds shtick and then presents the boys with a giant golden scissors. Caster tells the crowd to offer a scissor to the person next to them, and the entire crowd does it. Caster talks about his dad winning the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 17, to be exact, and how proud he is of him, and that they won the tag team titles. so now his dad is equally proud of him as well. After Max says an expiring word, they get cut off by Swerve Strickland. He wants a match with Billy Gunn next week, and it's going to happen. Mark Sterling then comes out and says he told you so about Swerve, but the acclaim end up taking him out to end the segment. The Dark Water cut a promo about their trio's title match on Rampage and how they're doing it for Brody Lee on the two year anniversary of Brody's passing. It's hard to believe that it's been two years since Brody did pass away. Madison Rain is talking backstage to Tony Schiavone about Sky Blue, but Anna Jay and Tay Conte interrupt them and offer to coach Sky in sports entertainment. A tag match is made for Rampage this Friday. I'm not that enthusiastic about it. Rush then took on Adam Page, fast-paced as both men just went to tee off on one another. Rush's quickness is unmatched, and his double knees in the corner was devastating, but only for two. Hangman hit a nice-looking fall-away slam uh, and began to take full control. He hit the buckshot clothesline and got the win in nine minutes. Post-match private party were about to take out Page, but Moxley came to the crowd, and they ran off. Mox took the mic and said he's been waiting for this moment for three years, and that on October 18th, There will be one last man standing in AEW. Hangman has 13 days because in Ohio, he's going to break his face. He says he respects Adam and all that Hangman has done, but he's in his way. Page says if Mox has been waiting for this for so long, why is he leaving the ring and why aren't they doing it right now? Mox says Page is a sweet kid, but he... Uh, But his words are going to get him in trouble. And in 13 days, these two are going to go to war. I honestly cannot wait for this matchup. I think both men are going to have one hell of a banger. And uh, I think that we're going to see a little bit of prestige brought back to the AEW title with this one matchup. Tony is interviewing Willow Nightingale. and She's excited about her win and wants to challenge for the TBS title at Battle of the Belts this Friday. Jade and the baddies come in barking. And Jade says she's already beaten her twice but Willow assures her she will not go 39-0, and and she cannot win forever. Luchasaurus then took on Fuego Del Sol. The big man hit two moves, one of them being an inverted-looking burning hammer, and got the win in 90 seconds. Post-match, Jungle Boy attacked Luchasaurus with a chair, sent him from the ring. He then tells Luchasaurus that they were once best friends, but he chose Christian, and that broke his heart. Jungle Boy promises to break piece by piece off of Luchasaurus completely before he finally takes him out, just to pick the time and place and Jungle Boy will be ready. Christian warns Jungle Boy and says that next week in his hometown, they will break him and make sure that Jungle Boy does not return to AEW. We get a rundown for Battle of the Belts this Friday night and then hear from Pac and Trent Beretta before their title match on Friday. We also hear about next week's dynamite and it's a jam-packed card and then it's time for our main event it is daniel garcia and brian danielson taking on chris jericho and sammy guevara this was a great men event with both teams firing on all cylinders garcia proved he is truly a wrestler and used an excellent ground and pound style against jericho and guevara danielson a tremendous looking german suplex on sammy and those stiff kicks guevara tried using his high flying ability but Garcia had a counter. Jericho continued to try his underhand moves, but both Danielson and Garcia saw it coming. The double submission in the middle of the ring was brutal looking, and I thought Garcia had it won with his Dragon Slayer submission. Jericho used the belt to the head on Garcia. It allowed Sammy to get the win for his team at the 14-minute mark. A very good ending to the show and continued storyline for the feud. I'm giving Dynamite a 5 out of 5 this week, and I know what you're saying, how? And here's why. Over half of the show was in-ring action and all the matches were good in their own way. The segments were, segments were straightened to the point and the acclaim were funny as hell. So, very nice rebounds for both AEW and NXT uh, here this week. Uh, I applaud them both and I hope that we continue to see exactly what we saw tonight with AEW and NXT. Moving forward, we're going to go ahead into my... Favorite segment where I get to bitch and moan and spew my venom. It's time. It is time for Grinds My Gears. And what Grinds My Gears this week, ladies and gentlemen, is the Judgment Day's booking. This group has been around for quite a while now. I believe six months. Maybe even a little longer. Edge brought them together. Then they kicked Edge out and put in Finn Balor. That was fine and well. But here's why. It's pissing me off. They have not won on pay-per-view yet. Not one single solitary big match. They win on Monday Night Raw, or they lose by DQ, but they have yet to beat Edge, Rey Mysterio, or anybody for that matter, on pay-per-view. Number two, constantly beating down Edge, only for him to return a couple of weeks to a month later. And Edge is getting these crazy big returns every time. They, we had the vignettes where it looked like it could have been the Fiend. We Then we had him return in Canada. We had him return at a pay-per-view. It's getting a little ridiculous with how many times they've almost killed Edge, and then here he is popping back up. Now, I'm an Edge fan, but this just makes no sense. If you're beating somebody down, if you're breaking their leg, if you're busting their arm, if you're cracking their head, shouldn't they take a little while to heal and give it the chance for Judgment Day to beat everybody down? Number three, Dominic Mysterio. As a whole, ladies and gentlemen, I have been bitching about this kid for quite some time. He is not in good shape. He does not know how to talk. And his wrestling is subpar. There is no reason for Dominic Mysterio to have been mixed in with the Judgment Day. Strictly then to hurt Rey Mysterio and add to this storyline. But if you were not going to have Dominic start pulling off some kind of Eddie traits and, you know, doing all this stuff and, and getting in his father's face... Then why did we do it? He's cutting horrible promos. He's telling his dad he hates him. It's co- sort of like when Nikki and Brie Bella were, were feuding a few years back. And number four, Rhea Ripley hasn't ref- wrestled in what feels like two months, if not more. I know she had a health scare. I know that we, we weren't sure what was going to happen with her. She was even wearing a heart monitor for a little while. But also, if she is now cleared to be back in the ring... Maybe she needs to stop playing the role of mommy or poppy or manager and get back in the damn ring because she was a force to be reckoned with and now they're ruining her career. The Judgment Day either needs to start winning and actually producing solid storylines or be done with and let all these people go their separate ways and do their own thing because they were better apart than they are together. That's just my feelings on it. And I think that we need to see a better way of telling the story of judgment day get dominic mysterio out of there and tell a better damn story just my feelings and now finally our new segment the palate cleanser as i said this will be bi-weekly maybe every couple of weeks or so uh that i will do this and um reports (laughs) came out that the new season of dark side of the ring uh will be happening soon and someone decided to make an episode listing and name all the episodes coming out. So, <laughs> having seen this and laughing at it, I thought you guys would get a kick at it too. So here we go. Episode 1, Cody Rhodes' neck tattoo. Episode 2, The Rise and Fall of AEW. Episode 3, Royd Rage Road, The Ryback Story. That's one I'm interested to see. Number 4, Small World, The Rising Midget Pro Wrestling. It's going to be a big story, guys. Number five, Big Black Dong, The Virgil Story. I might pass on that one. Number six, The Outstanding Career of Vacant. That guy's been champion more times than Ric Flair and John Cena and a whole hell of a bunch of other people put together. And then we've got Marty Janetti's STD History. That's probably going to be a three-parter. Then we've got Babe in the Woods, Pages (laughs) Three-Way. I think we've all seen that one before. And our final one, Rainy Days, Sunny's Hit and Run. (laughs) So, there's your palate cleanser. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, next week, just a programming note, I will be doing a... uh, highlight reel for Raw and SmackDown of next week, but of course Saturday is Extreme Rules, so I will be doing an entire show review of Extreme Rules so we'll have some quick hits, we'll have the highlight reel for Raw and SmackDown, and then we will talk about Extreme Rules there will be no AEW, no Dynamite next week so, don't hold your breath on that Uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me, and until next time I'll see you next week on If you smell what the arch is cooking.